everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a mom, a teacher, currently teaching kindergarten. I'm also a writer and blogger at This Mom Loves and a podcaster too. And you are listening to episode 18 of the show. Today, I'm going to be sharing a movie that I found really powerful, as well as how great it is to go for a lunchtime walk. And I'm really excited about my special guest this week, world-renowned fiddler Natalie McMaster is here, and we're going to be talking about family, marriage, music, all sorts of different things. And just full disclosure, Natalie is a friend of mine. We actually met through our daughters. Her oldest, Mary Frances, and my oldest, Olivia, both wanted to learn sewing, and my Aunt Lise, on her in her spare time, happens to be an excellent seamstress and knew both of us and offered to bring the two girls together. They're just a few months apart in age and do sewing lessons with them. And so we started doing that and I met Natalie and we became friends. And I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy our conversation later in the show. So please make sure you hang around for that. The movie I want to recommend to you today is called What They Had, and it's really a really moving drama, though it definitely has some funny moments. It stars Hilary Swank, Michael Shannon, Robert Forster, Blythe Danner. Um, it was made by first-time writer-director Elizabeth Chomko. And in the film, the mom, Blythe Danner, is suffering from dementia, she's kind of going down, downhill mentally that way. And her family, her husband and the brother and sister in the family have to make some decisions. I mean, her son and daughter, but the brother and sister to each other. It's got a personal connection to me. My mother-in-law um, did go through dementia at the end of her life. And my husband really related to the film. I mean, it's a Catholic family, um, you know, asking, did you get to mass last night? <laughs> that sort of thing that he and I can both relate to. Even the fact of the siblings trying to make decisions about a parent in this case, the whole power of attorney issue, would you put them in a home, do you not put them in a home, the shared responsibilities amongst siblings when a parent is declining like that. I mean, my husband's family is quite private, so I'm not going to start sharing uh, all their personal details, but he did keep saying throughout the show, like, oh, this sister would love this, or I'm going to text this sister and tell her about this. They have to watch it. So, I mean, I laughed and I cried. On Rotten Tomatoes, it got high scores from critics and from the audience, which you don't always see. Sometimes something can be critically acclaimed, but not so much the people who go see it or vice versa, but it was actually uh, well-received by both groups. I also thought there was a really neat quote the father um, says about marriage. He says, there's no bells and whistles. You find someone you can stand and you make a commitment. And I mean, I think everybody deserves a little bit of bells and whistles at the beginning, but I do think that is kind of some wise advice too, that you do make a commitment to somebody, not expecting uh, maybe the bells and whistles every day. But anyway, if you have ever had a family member or someone that you loved with dementia, you'll definitely relate. But even if not, it's certainly an entertaining movie that I would recommend. What they had, um, go rent it. If you would like to find me on social media, I would love to be found. I am on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves and on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. You can also find my blog, thismomloves.ca, and there are always show notes for every episode of the podcast there as well. In the lifestyle segment today, I just want to talk a little bit about going for a lunchtime walk. So I love my treadmill. I have been on it at least three times a week for about 14 years now. I go for a good power walk. Now, of course, that's barring illness or injury or unless I'm immediately postpartum. But other than that, I've been really, really regular about, about walking. My dad made me a treadmill desk, which I think helps a lot. For a long time, I'd watch TV while I was walking. I can have my laptop on the desk or a book. 
Um, I mean, if you're running, maybe some of those things aren't options, but I just go for a nice brisk walk and I like being able to get something done at the same time as well. And I try to go on right after school when I can. Um, Weekends or holidays, I go first thing in the morning to get it done. But I'm finding at school, or I was finding, that I have my lunch and my prep period back to back. And what I was doing was doing a lot of desk and sitting kind of planning and prep work. And I started feeling really sluggish when it was time to return to my students. And I decided that I'd start doing a bit of a power walk at lunchtime. So in the spring, my kindergarten ECE partner and I would go outside sometimes and go for for a nice walk, which was great when it was good weather. But I don't voluntarily go outside when it's less than 10 degrees Celsius. So I've been walking inside. The gym is a good place to do laps if there's no team practicing in there at lunch. Sometimes I even go up and down the hall. I have a colleague at work who's been doing that with me for a bit. And I've also set up a little bit of a, a track, you might say, in my classroom, moving some some pieces of furniture out of the way and doing laps around the room. And I love listening to podcast while I walk. I actually ended up listening to the whole backlog of Happier with Gretchen Rubin and Liz Craft, over 200 episodes uh, with all of my walking throughout the fall and the beginning of the winter. And I find in the afternoon now I have a little bit more energy. I'll stop halfway to do my daily push-ups. You may have seen on social media, I talked about working on my upper body a little bit in 2019. So I'll stop halfway through my walk, do my daily push-ups, and then keep on going. Still, sometimes if I don't have anything on after school, I will go home and get on the treadmill again. But it's great when the girls have extracurriculars or appointments somewhere we've got to be after school, and I know that I won't be able to get my workout in at the regular time. And, uh, and it's been really helping. I mean, you might want to still get outside, even if it's cold, maybe you, you're, you're good with that, or maybe you live somewhere where it's not that cold. So you don't have to worry about it. Maybe you're the type who wants to listen to a podcast. You could always catch up on this mom loves. I'm sure we may have some uh, new people listening today who are Natalie McMaster fans. So go back to uh, thismomloves.ca slash podcasts and see what else you've missed. I really find that some people like to listen to music. I'm sure there are some people out there who just want silence. Or you might be the type who wants to go with a friend or a colleague for a little bit of lunchtime exercise. Maybe do the stairs in your building if that's uh, a better alternative than trying to do laps somewhere. But uh, it works for me. And there's a neat quote that I found in The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. And it's funny because a lot of things I find in her books, I attribute to her thinking she said them. And then I have to go back and realize a lot of times she's quoting somebody else. But so Nietzsche wrote, all truly great thoughts are conceived while walking. And I do think that this is, uh, I don't know about all great thoughts, but a lot of great thoughts. I find when I'm exercising, when I'm doing something, a lot of ideas come to me, whether it's related to teaching or my other work projects or something at home. So uh, it's good for that as well. So I would highly recommend going for a little lunchtime walk. I'm very excited to welcome this week's special guest. She is a renowned fiddler, a Juno CCMA and East Coast Music Association winner, a member of the Order of Canada. She's also a wife and mom of seven, and I am proud to call her my friend. Welcome, Natalie McMaster. Thanks, Kate. So great to have you here in studio. And by Mm -hmm. studio, I mean my parents' dining room because it was the easiest place for us to meet, but I think this will do. So I'm going to start firing the questions right at you. So let's go way back. Little girl, growing up, Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. When did the fiddle come into play, so to speak? Well, I often get asked that. People often say, when did you decide to play the fiddle? And I don't know how many of our listeners have been to Cape Breton, but if you've ever spent any time there, it makes much more sense about why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was never so much a... um, conscious decision it was more environmental and it was created the environment of music and and this traditional culture that I grew up in 
and steeped in like, you know, just so immersed in it, especially my parents and our home where we grew up. They were just lovers of the music and they grew up with it thick in their blood and their ancestors before them. So I got it, honestly. Um, but growing up like that, I think it's as, it's as natural and uh, as much a part of my makeup as, you know, the way I speak and the way I think about things. And, and hearing music was like, you know, you're going to eat supper that day. You're going to hear traditional fiddle music that day. You're going to, you know, just so much a part of how we grew up. So much mm -hmm. a part of everyday life. And it wasn't a segregated thing. It wasn't a separate activity. It was part of our day. Mom, most times uh, when I get up in the morning, I'd hear fiddle, fiddle music and it would be mom playing like a, well, those days it was a cassette, yep. good old cassette tapes, right? <laughs> and um, and I can remember after school, you come home and the fiddle tunes would be cranked and that was mom. And I actually continue that little tradition in here in Ontario. Yeah. And when the kids wake up in the morning, I always have it on. But uh, in our school, I can remember for Heritage Day, you know, there would always be a big focus on the traditional music and somebody would be playing the fiddle or half the time when I got older, it was me. Yeah. Um, and in our community, any local events were always, there was always the traditional music as part of the local event. So even when you were younger, you started to get known for being mm -hmm. such an incredible fiddle, fiddle player, but you ended up going to university mm -hmm. and you actually became a teacher. Mm -hmm. So did you think at the time, okay, I think I'm going to end up teaching or did you think this is my backup in case my true love of music doesn't work out? Yeah, more as a backup. More as the backup. Um, and plus, I wasn't sure where the path would be heading. Just to connect the first part, I actually started playing fiddle at age nine. A fiddle was given to me by a grand uncle of mine. Um, but I picked it up. I look back now and I realize I picked it up very easily because of this environment, right? This environment of the first nine years of life. I always say I had nine years of experience before I picked up the fiddle. Yeah. Not to mention I'd been dancing to the music as well. So by the time I was college age, I had developed from age nine to age 18, a real strong, you know, traveling with music, did lots of performing in lots of different varieties, like square dances. I was getting into concert halls a bit. I was, I did a couple of major tours of the States with some other artists, part of the same kind of touring group. And yeah, an album by then too, right? Yep. Yeah. At 16. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And so when college choices came along, everybody just talked about college. My two brothers never went to college um, or university. They went, they took trades. And so my parents were not hugely into education. Like they certainly didn't frown on it, but they were, weren't, they didn't push it or anything. Um, They're just open to whatever. And I loved kids and I loved working with kids. I was helping the primary teacher at the time during my off periods mm -hmm. So I thought, maybe I'll become a teacher. And then that way, I love kids. I can work with elementary level, but also I would have summers, weekends, holidays off, which were all the times that I was playing music. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'll, get, I'll do both. Yeah. So then my first two years, great. Third year, it was getting crazy busy. Fourth year, I went, actually my third year, I went part-time. And my fourth year, I finished with, through correspondence. Okay. So the music totally took over. Yeah. And through those four years, I, I discovered, okay, maybe I'll just, you know, do substitute teaching or, okay, I'm not going to teach. I'm not going to make it into the classroom. I can't yeah. even get my practicum done. Yeah. So 
Right. And that, that happened. I never did set foot in a classroom no. other than through... Yeah, no, your teaching degree did end up coming in handy later. So we'll get to that first. Yeah. But first, let's talk about Janelle. Okay. So tell the story about meeting your husband. So Janelle Leahy, of course, from a big Leahy musical family. <clears throat> yep. Tell us how you met him, because I like this story. Okay. Well, um, so I heard... I saw Janelle play when I was probably 12 years old. He and his family came to Cape Breton to play where his mother grew up. And I remember my mom saying to me, oh, we're going to see this Leahy family play. And the mother, I used to step dance with her when she was young. And we were at the concerts together. And I remember her and she was a wonderful Gaelic singer and all this. So I went and I remember sitting there thinking, wow, look at these talented kids. Oh my gosh. I was so taken with them. Yeah. Now I was too young to ever look at them like, oh, he's cute. Or, yes, yeah. yes. I didn't see that at all. Yeah. Um, when I was... 16, 17, I had a cousin who lived in Ontario who brought a cassette tape of Donnell's to our house. And he said, you got to hear this guy play the fiddle, Natalie. This is just unreal. And he said, what a nice guy. I remember him sitting in our kitchen saying, and what a nice guy. Which was more important, the fiddler or the nice guy? <laughs> well, I took note of the nice guy part. Yeah. Of course, the picture of Donnell on the cover of this cassette tape was about the size of a quarter, so you could hardly tell. <laughs> But anyway, I remember Dad and I listening to that and being just like, wow. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I had never heard anything like that. It was like acrobatics on the violin. So a year later, I was in teacher's college my first year, and I got a phone call. And this gentleman on the other end of the line said, hi there. My name is Danelle Leahy. You probably don't know me, but I'm a fiddler from Ontario. And I said, I do know you. I have your cassette tape at home. On the other end of the line, I'm thinking, oh. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting a call from this guy. So he said, I'm in town tonight, and I was wondering if I could take you out to dinner. So we went out to dinner. We dated for two years. Yep. We broke up for 10, and then we got married. And how did you end up back together after the 10 years? I was home for Easter in Cape Breton, and I got a phone call. Hello, it's Danelle. Oh my gosh, Danelle. It was actually Mom who answered the phone. She said to me, Danelle's on the phone. I'd seen him like... Maybe once or twice in those 10 years, just yeah. very briefly at a festival, you know, just in passing. Yeah. So hadn't had any contact with him other than those two brief encounters for 10 years. So he said, hey, I'm in Halifax and I figured you might be home for Easter. Do you want to go out, have, have a meal or something? Yeah. And so we did. We dated for two months then, and he proposed. And then you knew it was. Yeah. It was oh, time. I knew right away. I yeah. was like, thank God yeah. for second chances. Lovely. Oh, yeah. So, how important was it to you that your future husband be musical? Like, was that a big consideration? No. No. no because I went out with fellas that didn't have um, musicality. Mind you, um, I would prefer music. Like, mm -hmm. you have so much in common then. Yeah, for sure. And. When Danelle and I started dating the second time, it made so much sense. He always used to say to me years ago, he'd say, you know, on paper, this is perfect. <laughs> it's just, you just, we have to yeah. just see if we, yeah, you know, yeah. if we're right yeah, for one another. In real life. But um, that whole paper thing, I mean, you have to be attracted to someone and you have to love them. Yeah. Obviously, that's obvious. But this whole paper idea, now that I'm a parent... Yeah. I'm like, that paper part is really it checks important. checks the boxes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. For sure. Oh, because it, um, it just makes your lives so compatible and, and there's so much ease and flow when you think the same way about things and you 
look at life the same way. It's, yeah. it's so helpful. It's so awesome when you're raising kids. And mm-hmm. There's no questions about certain things. You know? Right. So you married in 2002. Yeah. And now you have seven beautiful children. Yes. So give us a little rundown of the kids' names, ages, and what they're up to. Sure. Yeah. Mary Frances just turned 13. Uh, Michael is 11. Claire will be 10 in, on February 18th. Julia just turned eight. Alec is six. Sadie is four. And Maria is nine months. Wow. Yeah. And they're all into the music. They're all into the music. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So Sadie was baby number six. Yes. Born with Down syndrome, which yes. you didn't know at the no. time. That was a surprise when she was born. So how yeah. has that whole transition gone? It's gone very well. Yep. Yeah. There's a lady in um, New Brunswick writing a book called Love Letters, and she's asked me to submit a letter. She's a mother of a child with Down syndrome, and she wants to put together from across Canada all these collection collections of letters uh, from people who have um, either either parents or siblings or teachers or you know. Um, coaches or whatever if people with down syndrome a little love letter about what they're like or anything could be a sentence could be a paragraph just what it's like to know them or who they are and and what they're like and so I submitted a, a letter um and I'm excited about it I don't mean to stray too much from the the point of your question no, um okay. it's just interesting to hear other people talk mm-hmm. and they say the same things I do which is you find out you're having someone with a child with Down syndrome and you're just scared and you're, it's not the thing you pray for, you know, yeah. you're hoping for a healthy child and, and Sadie of course was born with a hole in her heart too. So it was a big shock. The first thing I said, and I don't know why I remember this all the time when people ask, but after the doctor said, you know, your daughter has Down syndrome, this is about maybe 10 minutes after she was born, mm-hmm. they noticed her oxygen levels weren't quite right. Right. And then they checked her palms. There's usually one crease in the palm. That's okay. an automatic kind of visual trigger. Um, she After she said that, I said to Danelle after a few minutes of shock, like complete shock, the most shocking thing. I mean, anyway, I said to Danelle, she's exactly what we need, but I didn't feel it. Right. So now I look back at that and I think, of course, now I've I've lived it. Yeah. And Sadie, life with Sadie is so great. We were in Mass the other day, and this happens every Sunday when we go to Mass, but our kids, Sadie just pulls something different out of them. So we're all sitting in our front two pews, we're squished and crammed <laughs> in, and I'm watching them this week, or last week that just passed, with fresh eyes. I'm just looking at them, and I can't tell you the amount of kisses and hugs between Sadie and each one of them through all of Mass. You'd swear to God they didn't see her in a week. <laughs> And just hugging her and wanting to take care of her. There's some kind of a nurturing sense that she's pulled out of them. Yep. And they say it all the time. Mom, Sadie's just the best. I'm so glad she has Down syndrome. You know, things like this. And yeah. it's so sweet to hear that. Mm-hmm. And I know my kids wouldn't be kissing each other if Sadie wasn't there. <laughs> so, so she does bring that out. Yes. She brings that out and she brings a real beauty out of the other kids. And she's a real beauty herself. Yeah. She really is. And she's no different from the other children. That's why I want to say to people who might be going through the same thing, you know, there's no difference. Once you start living life, mm-hmm. they have their same struggles. It's just a different degree. Yeah. But, you know, they have their personality 
traits and quirks and things that that are naturally beautiful and things that you know gosh gotta get that little rascal out of her and yeah you know so it's we don't ever view her as different really mm-hmm. she just she has her own set of circumstances and personality traits like all the rest of them yeah well i remember being at your place right after you got her her first fiddle and she was carrying it around and obviously trying to mimic it, what mimic what mommy and daddy were doing and yeah. what the other kids were doing. And then to see her at your Celtic family Christmas, I mean, holding it, holding the bow and just looking, yeah. you know, like just fitting right in there with she the motions. Is. And it must just yeah. have made your, your heart proud. I can't take my eyes off her. Yeah. Well, there's one, I don't know if it was a still photo, if I just saw it on the video where the two of you were looking at each other right, yeah. and she's got the fiddle and the bow. And so do you, yeah. and you're just kind of looking at yeah. each other. It's just, it's almost like a magical moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yeah, sweet. For sure. Yeah. Now, did you ever imagine having such a big family? No. No. No, although some of my friends from school say, Natalie, I remember when you used to say, I'm going to have six kids, three girls and three boys. <laughs> Mind you, I have seven, but <laughs> no, never. Even when Danelle and I first got married, we lightly talked about kids. I mean, we knew we were going to have kids, and I imagined maybe we'd have four. Yeah. I didn't know. I was 33, 30 when we got married, and yeah. I didn't have Mary Frances until I was 33. Mm-hmm. My gosh, I've had six children after the age of 35. Yeah. After the age of 35. Now, how many are in Janelle's family? 11. Okay, so, but it was kind of negotiable how many you were going to have together. Yeah. yeah. Well, just kind of yeah, go, go with what you get. Yeah. It's one of these things that uh, the older I get, the more I realize you can have your dreams, but if you lock too much into that, you're going to miss out. Yeah. I always say don't be limited by your dreams. They're good a good point. guideline, but you have to yeah. have flexibility and be open and what are some of the challenges of having such a big family? Um, gosh, I'm so used to it now. I'm thinking um, about a text you sent me a couple of weeks okay. ago. That's a challenge. You were talking about the clutter. Oh, the clutter. Oh. <laughs> I mean, every oh. parent, I think every mom deals with clutter, but I think the more kids, the more it all multiplies in the home, right? So extreme. Yeah. So extreme. Our, a bomb went, in off, went off in our house at all times. <laughs> like, you can have it clean, and I'm like, quick. Somebody came in the door in the next 30 seconds because it's not going to stay for any longer. Yeah. It just goes. Yeah. I can't. I can't get over it. Well, you did a good job a couple weekends ago. You were organizing the girl's closet. I got before and after pictures. And you did a good job. I love love sharing clutter information with people. Yeah. You're the clutter queen, you are, Kate. I I try. Declutter queen. Um, So most of your kids are homeschooled. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that was a big consideration with all the touring that you do. So Mm -hmm. how has that process been? And now that they're getting older, how's it going? It's going well. I'm really lucky um, because I've had, I'm able to kind of put my feet in both pies or dip my, dip my finger in both pies. I started homeschooling. Um, that's all we've ever done, um, but it's branched off into not me doing the schooling. Mm-hmm. I still do some of it, yeah. um, but the important bits get done by a friend of ours who's been coming to the house now for five years and another friend of mine who also homeschools. Um, she kind of loosely mentioned about, you know, Hey, do you want to want a little help, extra help in math? And it's turned into a math science program that they do through her, yeah. um, and through this Saxon math. And, and then we've met, you know, some babies, well, some babysitters we've had in the past have gone on to, uh, really high education. One girl, um, graduated from Oxford last year in, as a history major. So she does online history with the kids. Mm-hmm. And another guy is out west, and he does English or language, basically different parts of of language and reading and grammar and all those things with them um, as well. So 
You just put different people together to kind of round out people together. And it's scary. That's the biggest part is like, oh my gosh, are they getting what they're supposed to get? Mm -hmm. You don't really know. If you follow a curriculum, um, most of the great curriculums that we know about seem to be American based. So that's tricky because you're dealing with, you're not dealing with the metric system and the history is all different and the focuses are different in different areas. So you don't really want to go all that way. But things like math, that's great. Yeah. This Saxon math program, I'm 100% with. Yeah, so. Okay. Well, I'll let so. you know in 10 years how it works out. <laughs> if they ended up all right or not. I, right. I know your kids. I think they're on the right oh, track. So when you're not on the road and you're at home, what does a typical day look like in the McMaster Leahy House? Okay. Um, well, I like a typical day when we're <laughs> not uh, on the heels of, getting home and trying to unpack and do laundry and yeah. if we're not on the heels of getting ready to leave it's kind of lovely we um if i have music i'm working on i get up early usually around 6 six thirty, and i'll work on some music stuff um could be literally picking up the fiddle to play or uh researching tunes or varieties of stuff like that listening to yeah. different things or sometimes i have notes about different ideas I'll go through that so right now I, I am Danielle and I are working on solo projects so I'm doing that in the mornings and then the kids usually get up around 7 30 um and yeah they have to be they have a few chores to do in the morning we have dogs and chickens and things like that <laughs> yeah so you're on a farm we're on a farm and then eight o'clock that's breakfast between eight and eight thirty and then we usually have time to cram in one music practice um for everybody it's different between piano and guitar and accordion and fiddle and dancing um each person will take a half hour to do something mm-hmm. and then uh it's school um and then in the afternoon then we always have lunch at twelve fifteen. <laughs> i didn't usually, know you were so regimented well <laughs> you kind of have to be yeah you kind of have to be to fit everything in right sadie goes to school i take her to school she mm-hmm. goes for a half day yeah. And so we all meet at lunch for 12, 12.15, and usually it's 12.30 by the time we get eating. And then at 12.45, the two older ones go to um, our friends for math, and the younger ones do their practicing in the afternoon. Depending on, there's different schedules for different days, but sometimes the two older ones get the bulk of their music done in the morning while the little ones are in the basement. We have a schoolroom in the basement. Mm-hmm. And then uh, by around 4 o'clock, there's tricklings of things. If the kids, if the older ones have, sometimes they have a lot of homework for literature and history. So they might do one of the days as a catch-up day there. Or, um, And on certain days we have um, piano on Thursdays. So that changes the flow. Usually it's all music in the morning and then all school in the afternoon. Um, yeah, so every day is different. Um, uh, then supper between five six um but sometimes it's late i mean as far as Danelli's on his own little shift i mean he he's farming always in the morning and then he's got to feed again later in the day and there's usually a few little hiccups that come up along the way he also spends a lot of time on the phone booking shows for right us and doing major overall yeah. things and talking with our manager and stuff like that so um then in the evenings we either play cards or uh, maybe 
just play some music for fun. The rule is, is if the kids are playing music at night, we're not allowed to say anything. Okay. We can't say, hold your bowl like this. You're playing too yeah. fast. Oh, try this, do that. Can't say anything. They can just be, do whatever they want. Yeah. So they like that, right? Um, and yeah, we try and do little activities together. Sometimes we'll pull out a board game or something. And some nights are just random. People are just like, you know, sometimes Michael has hockey in the evening. Mm-hmm. On Friday evenings, the kids have gymnastics, the two of the girls and things like that. Yeah. So interesting you were talking about the playing music at night because a listener wanted to know if you're teaching your kids fiddle and other instruments, dance, that stuff yourselves, and also how critical you are. So this question is coming from someone who plays fiddle and and teaches a little bit of it. So how much do you say, no, do it again. No, you didn't get that right. No, hold it this way. How hard do you push when you're doing lessons? It's if, if you're the parent doing that, well, if you're not the parent doing that, um, you always have to judge it on your student. So for some of my kids, I can really push, push, push. And for other ones and, and age depend, it's age dependent as well. Yeah. For other ones, they just don't have that personality type. They might take it offensively or they might get mm-hmm. hurt or you have to constantly give them positive encouragement. Whereas other ones, they just want to be criticized. They just want to... Want the feedback. They want, yeah, they yeah. want the feedback. So and you do teach them fiddle yourself? We teach them yeah. ourselves. Yep. We mm-hmm. teach them fiddle ourselves. We supplement a bit with dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have a teacher per se, but there's a couple of local girls who over the last couple of years will come in. Generally speaking, they probably get 12 dance lessons a year. Yeah. So it's not a lot. Um, we just try and we keep it going ourselves mm-hmm. some kind of a way. But you just kind of know your know your student how far you can push them and yeah how much how much yep. criticism they can take. I used to be really like very critical, and over the years I've discovered that if my goal is to is to have them playing music, then they have to be turned on by it. Like they have to want to pick up the instrument, mm-hmm. and they're not going to want to pick up the instrument if I go too far yeah. with it. I'll turn them off. Yeah. So I keep that in my mind. Mm-hmm. Janelle's awesome at that. He's just like, just keep the fiddle in their hands, Nat. Like he's, yeah. that being said, he is very super critical when it comes to how they hold the fiddle. Like he's all about how you hold it. Mm-hmm. So he has a great way of being able to teach them that, but also back off so that they're just playing and they're mm-hmm. loving it. And they think they're great. You yeah. know, that's what you want. Yeah. But they're still learning the, the fundamentals. For sure. So they go on the road with you now. They're part of the mm-hmm. part of the show most of yeah. the time. So an Instagram follower wanted to know, how do you keep the kids motivated and in routine on the road, assuming that they get tired and grumpy like everybody else's kids? Do you have any tips for how you kind of keep, uh, keep things under control on the road? Yeah, well, little things that I do at home and do on the road to keep things fresh. Um, just last week, the schedules that I have for the kids, I said, look, if you guys can work do your schedules without me having to remind you all the time you get a sticker at the end of each day and at the end of the week you get a prize <laughs> okay so we did that and it worked like wonderful what kind of prizes Honestly. um claire got just a little they're all from the dollar store yeah a little pack of post-it notes yeah um different sizes and that provoked a game of office that we played on saturday that i was a very important part of um, Mary Frances got some, um, oh, what do you call, a uh, craft paper remnants. Yeah. So just a little, again, dollar store. Yeah. 
Julia got like some pipe cleaners and some pom-poms and little googly eyes. It was in a little package. So you use rewards just, and incentives yeah. just like, like yeah. the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. And the boys yeah. just got some little figurine thing. Yeah. Um, I don't do that very often, but like every once in a while, like you feel things are getting a little sluggish and dopey and kind of, you know, we're all kind of uh, dragging ourselves. So yeah. you perk it up and it's, it's helpful. So same on the road. Um, when kids are getting like, you know, we're you know, two weeks in or whatever and you can tell there's a bit of a humdrum going on, you shake it up. You're like, you go to a toy store and you get a bunch of Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. And before, like, you know, after supper that night, maybe you say, oh, guys, you have put in a good day. And guess what? <laughs> Something's coming. And then you put the Play-Doh out. And it's just like, wow, yeah. thanks, Mom. You're the best mommy ever. <laughs> and it stirs it up and it makes it fun. And then they have it for the next couple of days and they look forward to it, you know. Or yeah. for the next few days, it's got a novelty to it. Yeah, and, for sure. I mean, those little things, they're kids and it works. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit for a moment, let's talk about your faith for a mm-hmm. minute and the role that that plays in your life. Well, it's funny because you had mentioned to me, oh, because this is This Mom Loves, keep in your mind, you know, what we're, what you're going to answer for that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it could be a beauty product, it could be whatever. Yeah, yeah. And as I was driving here, I'm like, I love... And I was trying to figure out how to word it. And this isn't my answer for this mom loves because okay. I thought I'm not going to go there because it's just, I'm always, you know, I don't want to get into all the spiritual side. So not that there's much to get into, but, um, so to, when you ask me about it, I'm, I'm like, I just really love people who have depth. Mm-hmm. I love talking to people who you can just tell they're more than just what they're wearing and the decor in their house. Mm-hmm. They're really, um, that is secondary to them. Mm -hmm. I love people. And it's mostly faith-based. People who um, just value uh, the human being. And they are lovers of sacrificing, sacrificial love, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what my faith teaches me. And I see the beauty in it all the time. Um, That kind of real beauty and real love is eternal. And the fake beauty or, you know, you might look good, but what your inside's like, yeah. that's just, that's fun and we all love it, yeah. but it's just short-lived. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. I can sure. explain that further, but No, no, yeah. sure it yeah. does. And I, I like your point too. Like, I mean, you like, I remember the last time, I don't, probably don't remember, but when I interviewed you before... Okay. It's 2011. Oh my gosh. And we didn't even know each other then. No. And it was just a phoner and right. you didn't know who I was or anything. But I asked the same question and okay. we were just joking around about things. And you were talking about your blonde highlights as being oh one of the things God. that you love. Ah. But that's okay, right? Like it's okay well, to... I'm so mature. But you know what I mean? We were talking about yeah. all the fun kind of stuff sure. like that. But yes. it's okay to like your blonde highlights. Yeah. But... Yeah. The whole depth that's beneath you, and you're a very that's deep right. person. Well, it is okay to like the blonde highlights too, though. My my friend, uh, I have a friend who is very oh beautiful spiritually, and but she always says, you know, you got to recognize the fact that we we're women and we love you know the highlights or the eyelashes mm-hmm. or this that and the other thing. So everything in perspective. Um, if I may fast forward. This mom loves yes. A instead book. of my last question, I'll put it in right now. What, would, what does this mom love now? Well, there's lots of things I'll tell you more about, yeah. but I was going to answer to that this book called The Other Side of Beauty, mm-hmm. which connects to what we're talking about. Mm. 
And it's a great book. All you moms go out and get it, especially moms with daughters. Okay. Um, and it's about this uh, former contestant on America's Top Model. And her name's Leah Darrell. And basically, her st- it's her story of how she was raised very Catholic and, and very practicing Catholic. And they moved when they were 15 and things changed for her. And she got really into the power of beauty. Not that she would have described it like that when she was a teenager, but she saw that a lot of her friends were really stylish and she wanted to be kind of in with them when she when, when they made this move. Mm-hmm. You know, she wanted to get in with those friends and she found that the more pretty she made herself, the more popular she became and, and she was attracted to that attention mm-hmm. and of course she would be. Yep. You know, you don't want to be stuck in the corner with nobody. You want to have a party going mm-hmm. on around you. And so she talks about how the next 10 years of her life she um, got further and further into that to the point of not that there's anything wrong with being a model, but she got into the, into the, maybe the darker side of, of doing that mm-hmm. in that she, it became so superficial for her that she became empty. And she said she hated silence. She always found it hard to fall asleep at night because I think her conscience was speaking to her and oh, saying, this is just not. And I, I don't want to, I don't know how much to tell you, but, um, she did go through, um, I'll tell you one little snippet, uh, a, a photo, a modeling shoot after America's Next Top Model. I think she made it to the top 10 and she got, she didn't make it further than that, but she was at a modeling shoot and showing the world that I don't need that show to do it. I'm going to make it on my own. And there was a moment of silence, a camera broke or something and she was waiting and she was standing there in a bikini or something and. She heard what she believes was Christ's voice saying to her, Leah, I made you for more. And so then she talks about her transition after that. And now she's a mother of three, I think. And um, she's found her faith again. And she, her whole point is beauty. You know, what, how do we, where does that fall into place in Mm -hmm. priority? And what real beauty is, as it's called, the other side of beauty. Yeah. Um, and also just, you know, as a woman where we all want to be fashionable and have yeah. some beauty there. So there's exterior beauty and inner beauty. So it's a great book. Okay. Great book. Okay. Highly Good. recommended. Well, that kind of segues into another question. Mm-hmm. Um, social media. Yeah. So we've talked about this before, but what are your thoughts on that whole world of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff? Well, it has its place, I'm sure, but I'm just not into it. There you go. <laughs> Uh, to my children's dismay, <laughs> yeah, they're all like, "Mom, please, can we have an iPod?" I keep saying to Mary Frances, "Maybe when you're 14." Yeah, so they don't have gadgets yet, but they're looking for it. And luckily, because we homeschool, we can put it off a little longer than most, yeah. I suppose. But the statistics are out there. We're reading them all the time. Screen time, no good, no mm-hmm. good, no good. You know, the the number one I heard uh, a statistic, actually it was Danelle that was telling me about it, you heard it on CBC, the number one best thing you can do to ensure your kids turn out well-rounded, grounded children, mm-hmm. and it is meals together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, again, we hear it all the time, screen time and all the social media stuff, it's just, is there any good in it? I yeah. never hear anything good about it. Yeah. Other than we connect ourselves to the world and mm-hmm. keep in touch with people. But there are other ways to do that too. I think I always look at human nature. And human nature, I don't care who you are, 
If you're a chocolate addict like me, <laughs> and I'm standing in a room filled with chocolate day after day after day after day, yeah. I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. So screens and things, they're so attractive. Even for me who doesn't want them. Yeah. They're so darn attractive. When you said I love one time Amazon. You tried, oh, Amazon. And oh one gosh. time you looked at Instagram and you said you just spent an hour lost on it. so much time. Yeah. I did. I but spent I an hour. You guys have accounts. Yeah. On, you know, on those platforms. Yes. But I think for you guys, it's more about the music and sharing yeah. what's out there. I mean, you're not a, here's my selfie and here's what I had for lunch. And I'm not, but a person kind of has to be. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I have someone that does that. I've never been on my Instagram or my, I've been on my website like twice in the last two years. And like, we don't check those things. We're just, we don't think like that. It's yeah. not that I'm trying to avoid it. I just no. don't think like that. No. I text people. You yeah. know, if I have to get in touch with them and yeah. I do have an email account. I just got one like maybe two years ago. So yeah. I check that from time to time too. So And I know you're happy that people yeah. want to follow and get your totally. information, but it's yeah. not your top way to connect. No. Yeah. But the thing is, is we're in the darn old music industry. Yeah. And that's the music industry. Yeah. So I kind of got to roll with the punches too. Mm-hmm. When we were on our last tour, I was saying, now we got to think of those people out in social media world. Yeah. I remember one night we took, I said, it was my idea. I said, at the beginning of the night, we were having a, it was going to be an awesome crowd. We said, let's just tell the band to come over on the stage in the middle of the show and take a picture where our back is facing the crowd. Right. And, you know, we yeah. just click a selfie and the whole crowd's behind us. Yeah. And that'd be fun, you know, change it up. So we did that and yeah. try and remember to do a few things like that. Yeah. I fun. should be better at it. But anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Our world, our sweet world is just, there's so many wrongs. Well, well there's lots of rights too, but. Yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to condemn it. There's yeah. lots of people out there that need it and use it, and, and I use it too. So yeah, for sure. it has its place. Yeah, it's exactly. It has control. its place. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you and Danelle are working on some solo projects. Can you tell mm-hmm. us anything about that? I can tell you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my solo project is going to be very simple, very trad. Uh, I haven't done anything on my own in seven years, I think, oh, since wow. I put my last solo recording out. Mm-hmm. And Danelle hasn't done anything in like a couple of decades, so he's going to do something a bit more, more, it's not, won't be simple, it'll be a regular recording. And mm-hmm. um, uh, we're trying to get into writing a lot more. Mm-hmm. We have so much to say through music, like just instrumentally speaking, I'm not talking words, but, um, and we just don't ever find the time when we're just on a real kick of writing. So yeah. every morning I'm getting up and writing tunes. Oh, that's neat. So hopefully it'll have a lot both of our recordings but yeah. a lot more of our own compositions and then we already have music prepared for our dual effort but that's next year yeah yeah okay very exciting now somebody else wanted to know how you and Danelle stay connected when you're on tour with all the kids or even when you're at home with the busyness of family how do you keep that marriage connected well it's funny you'd think you know living in the same house we'd have all these ideas and things that all the stuff that we have to deal with, you'd think we'd be on it, on it, on it. There are days go by where I'm like, I still haven't talked to him about something so simple. Because it's just busy. We're mm-hmm. running kids around everywhere and we're in and out. And life in the house with nine people is active and full and rich. And somebody needs a diaper change and somebody's trying to make supper. And somebody's yeah. on the phone and this and that. And somebody's asking you this and the piano's going all the time. <laughs> Why did we put a grand piano in our living room? I don't know. But now we have nowhere else to put it. So there it is. Yeah. It's just walking away. So Danelle and I, um, what do we do? Well, I'll say this. We both re-energize and rejuvenate very easily and quickly. 
We don't need a weekend getaway. We don't even need a day getaway. An hour for us does, you know, will last us for weeks. Yeah. So um, we'll go out maybe once every six weeks have a nice dinner at the mm-hmm. keg or something. Yeah. Do a three-hour blitz. Mm-hmm. That's always awesome. Yeah. I just love it. I love the keg. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do too. We love alcohol. Now, I say okay. that... Tell me more. (laughs) I say that in a respectful way. Yeah. Um, And let's go back to religion. Jesus drank wine with his disciples all the time. There you go. He knew the power of just a glass of wine and the state of mind that it brings, even when you just pour it. Yeah. He turned water into wine. I mean, what you're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So be it wine or a beer or something, I find that Danelle and I... After the kids are in bed, some nights we'll turn the fire on, which, by the way, is a click of a button. <laughs> you don't bring in the logs. Yeah, no, we don't bring in the logs. Shame on us. And Danelle grew up like that. But anyway, oh, we're not as virtuous as our parents. But anyway, um, and and turn the fire on and have a little drink of something. It could be a Bailey's on ice or just that little, it just relaxes you and it makes you feel like we're on the same page because we're both in the mood to share a drink together. and. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we don't do that every night, but that's how, that's a way where, you know, we just kind of reconnect. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. We're almost done. I do want to ask you, is there a musician out there that you would love to collaborate with? Now, until I started researching for this interview, I didn't know you once collaborated with Faith Hill. Is that right? I opened for her. You opened for her. Okay. So that's really neat. I saw that online. So who is out there that you would like to work with? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I get asked that a lot, and I should have an answer. I should have an answer. I used to say Sting, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of, not that I don't like him. I think he's fantastic. I think he's wickedly good. But now I'm kind of like, well, I don't know if I choose him. Ed Sheeran. That, that'd be the ah, guy. Ed Sheeran. I'd pick him. Okay. I'd pick him because he's an artist that is kind of folky, mm-hmm. but he's got that strong pop element too. He does solo stuff. So he's got all the, you have to be an awesome musician to captivate an audience with just standing on stage alone. Mm -hmm. But he's also got his full band uh, arrangements and all that on his songs. He writes tunes that I just think they're really broad. They're really broad in spectrum. Like they have great lyrics, but they also have really great melodies, but they also have great rhythms and there's like I said, that sensibility that's pop, but it's also got this really rootsy sound. And I think he's magically come up with a formula for keeping things rooted and earthy and attracting the masses. Mm-hmm. And I would love to figure that one out. Yeah. And he's that would make you very cool with your kids if you oh. worked with Ed Sheeran. Oh, so Ed Sheeran, if you I are listening tried. to this mom love, yes. Ed, <laughs> as I'm turn sure it on. he does. Come on, Natalie now. McMaster is willing to work with you. So no, I'm just waiting. Give her a call. I'm waiting. Yeah. Just waiting for your call, buddy. Yeah. And you okay. better phone. Don't send a Facebook message no. or anything like that. No. Although for you, I'd answer. <laughs> I have her number, so yeah. just contact me. Ed. So is there anything else you wanted to add to the whole This Mom Loves? Any favorite things? Was Other the than book? the fact I'm enjoying one hour of solitude, <laughs> it's been absolute bliss. Um, yes, I just ordered... Speaking of Amazon, 
Oh, shame on me. Janelle and I talk about this all the time, but it saved my life for Christmas this year. Oh, yes. It it's saved so my life. We yeah. were touring 25 shows across the country. What do yeah. you do? Mm-hmm. How do you get Christmas gifts? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Janelle and I always talk about that. He's like, shouldn't be getting into Amazon. But anyway, today I ordered for $17 some eucalyptus. Okay. And so it's just, it's those leaves. It's just, they're fake, you know, but they just bring me great joy. Yeah. Eucalyptus leaves. Like... There's different breeds or brands or whatever of eucalyptus, um, but this is the one where the leaf kind of has this dangly, it kind of dangles, it's floppy, it's kind of reminds you of a bobblehead. Mm-hmm. So there's the leaf, the stem and the, and, and just the main stem, then the little stem and the leaf kind of hangs off it in a really nice little way. It's just kind of bobbles there. <laughs> so it's got movement and and the shape of the leaf, and the color of the leaf, the green. And I just want to set a vase in the middle of my kitchen table and have these eucalyptus leaves hanging out of it all the time. So I got some fake ones. That seems like a simple pleasure. Yeah. 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 Thank goodness for Amazon. Yeah. Okay, well, I will have links to Natalie's website and all of her other information, as well as the information for Danelle and the McMaster Leahy kids in the show notes at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. And this is episode 18. Thank you so much for being here, Natalie. Thanks for the tea. And that is it for episode 18 of This Mom Loves. A special thanks, as always, to my editor, Lucas Wojcicki. And thank you all for being here. Again, I will have all of the information from today's episode at thismomloves.ca slash podcasts. And if you enjoy listening to This Mom Loves, it would mean so much to me if you could rate or review it wherever you listen to podcasts. You might think, oh, what's one click from me? But all those clicks add up, and it really does help other people to find the show, which I appreciate. Also, you can just share in your own social media if you enjoyed this episode send it out to your facebook uh, facebook friends or your twitter followers put it on instagram anywhere that you are active would really uh, really be appreciated by me thank you so much for being here and have a wonderful week <laughs>